G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And some really important conversation coming over this next hour, and I do hope you can join us. It may be one of those conversations you might want to protect little ears from some of the things that we might talk about today. I just give you that little warning in advance. If there are little ones around, maybe just protecting those little ears from some of the concepts that might arise in our conversation today. It is an opportunity to unpack some of the perhaps lesser considered influences upon our children and something that every parent will be concerned about over the coming months when our children may be impacted by a hyper-entertainment environment cooped up in a coronavirus lockdown at home. That's going to have its own challenges, isn't it? So some focus today on being aware of what our children are consuming and whether we can trust our classification system to guide us in protecting our children. What's come to light is the discovery of illegal animated child sexual abuse material depicting rape and abuse. Last month in the Federal Parliament, Senator Sterling Griff, who's with the Australian Centre Alliance, raised the issue and accused the Classifications Board of failing to exercise its responsibilities under Australian law and allowing this material to be classified as suitable for children 15 years and younger. Well, Senator Griff described anime movies depicting wide-eyed children, usually in school uniforms, engaged in explicit sexual activities and often being sexually abused. And he called for a review of all Japanese anime movies accessible in Australia. Well, the team at the organisation called Collective Shout have been campaigning widely and loudly and saying this material is a gateway to the abuse of actual children and can be used as a grooming tool to normalise abuse. So this is where our conversation is going, and I would like to invite you to join in our conversation. You may be a concerned parent or grandparent, and you might have some things to offer in our conversation as we unfold. Melinda Tankard-Reist leads Collective Shout and is joining us to unpack the extent of the problem this morning. Melinda, a special welcome along to 2020. Always a pleasure to be with you, Neil. Thank you for your interest. Melinda, before we get into our conversation, I know that things are pretty tough all around Australia and for Mm. people like you, you're speaking to groups and audiences and you've got a busy schedule and the sorts of things you talk about are so, so important. But I'm imagining right now that with the coronavirus as it's taken hold, a lot of those sorts of engagements that you might be the guest speaker at have all dried up. What's What's the situation like for you? That's exactly what's happened, Neil. I just watched uh, all of my events and engagements for the year drive up 
almost almost overnight, as it were. I've I've never seen this happen uh, in my lifetime, and I was looking forward to uh, another year of engaging, especially with students around the country. I have a young man working with me now, uh, Daniel Principe, and we have a, a, a new package for students especially, and Daniel is particularly uh, gifted with addressing young men about sexualization and porn culture and what healthy masculinity looks like and how they can navigate growing up in pornland. So, you know, we were just about to launch out on the year of speaking around the nation, uh, but uh, the events have all have all dried up. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, we're all navigating new challenges right now, aren't we? And that's, that's, that's one that I'm navigating. We are, and the need to adapt is one of those things that mm. I know that uh, you're going to be pretty good at too, to, to do what you do and have made the influences that you have. Uh, you've been adaptable over the years, but there are always these new challenges, and, and we all have yes. to adapt to be able to... Uh, make good use of the opportunities that we have when we're involved in the sorts of things that you're in, in involved in. So uh, you don't yes. want the sorts of sentiments and the sorts of arguments that you're able to present uh, to be silenced in this time. So we'll make the the best of this hour ahead. Hey, look, I want to talk to you about uh, these things that I mentioned in the introduction and at the same time, I'd love listeners to contribute to our conversation too, and I know you would love to engage with listeners, how they're feeling. And so we have an opportunity for a sort of a real-time connection with listeners all around Australia about how they think about Australia's classification system. So I've got a Facebook poll running at the moment, and listeners mm. can vote on that, and so give us some mm. real-time interaction here. So the poll mm-hmm. question asks, do you think Australia's classification system adequately protects children from harmful material? Mm. Uh, I wonder whether you've got a, a comment uh, on that sort of question and, uh, and the way that listeners might respond today, Melinda. Yes, well, we've been documenting the systemic failures of our classification system since the day we started 10 years ago, Collective Shout. Uh, 10 years this year, actually, we've, that's another thing we've had to cancel is our parties around the country. But uh, leaving that aside, it has been a, a long time that we have pointed out that our classification scheme has failed to even slow, let alone prevent the proliferation of publications, films, television, billboards, images and words on mobile phones and online, as well as radio and music recordings, uh, which demean women and girls, present them as, as sexual objects and foster a culture that normalises sexual violence and which, in this latest example, uh, depicts children as available for, for sex. So it's been a long campaign and it hasn't got any better. It hasn't improved. It hasn't improved. And it's very broad what we're talking about today. And uh, when we bring this into the very homes of listeners, uh, what we're faced with is the idea that our children may well soon, and uh, in some states like Victoria, children are already at home and uh, parents are expected to be uh, overseeing the sorts of things that they'll do in that activity while they're in a lockdown situation. And this could go on weeks, months, and yeah. uh, our children are going to be in this sort of hyper-entertainment environment. Our children are going to be right. influenced yeah. so powerfully over the months ahead. I wonder whether you've got 
uh, your thoughts on the concerns that parents ought to hold right now if they're thinking, oh, this is not a serious issue to talk about? Yeah, you know, you've identified a big concern of our organisation and anyone that works with children and young people. Uh, this is a, a particularly vulnerable time. Our kids are vulnerable at the best of times, but right now we have a situation that we've never seen, or certainly not even seen in a hundred years, and <laughs> and then we didn't have the internet. Uh, so our children are more at risk, and parents are going to have to be extra vigilant given the failures of our regulatory bodies, given the failure of our collective governments to address this problem. And Collective Shard is about to share on social media over the next few days uh, tips for parents to try to protect their children. Uh, But as I said, um, vigilance is critical. Our kids can't be allowed long and extended periods online uh, without monitoring. You know, even what parents think are, are innocent places are not innocent. And, you know, this, isn't, uh, this also relates to our campaign on, against Instagram. Uh, readers, uh, your, your listeners can visit our website to see our campaign where we have exposed the fact that Instagram is providing a platform to predators, that Instagram is facilitating contact of men with underage girls. Uh, We've documented this very thoroughly. We've brought it to the attention of police. We've brought it to the attention of the eSafety Commission. And we've also taken it to the heads of Instagram. Uh, We have found uh, men engaging in explicit sexual acts online uh, in front of these girls. So, for example, an underage girl uh, can do a live chat and she can accept the request of anyone to join that chat. Now, she doesn't know who's actually asking. Uh, She doesn't know who's behind the particular Instagram handle. And this is fairly graphic, but these these men are then engaging in live masturbation. They're, They're naked, and they are engaging in those acts in front of the girl. And we have documented this more than once, uh, we've captured the imagery and we've sent it to the authorities, but it's still happening. And Instagram is, is allowing this. It's allowing the fetishization of girls. It's allowing contact between minors and adult men. It's also allowing men to capture, screen capture images of these girls and send them to designated websites for the men to all, you know, share their favorite girls. And so this is just unacceptable for a platform that is particularly popular with with young people. So I know primarily we're talking about the failures of our classification scheme, but these are failures across the board with multiple across multiple platforms and mega global corporate corporations worth billions of dollars that have not addressed this problem. Melinda, what you're sharing is disturbing and I know that a lot of listeners will be saying this is really chilling in the sense of this could be happening in the bedroom of our daughter or our son uh, and these things are such a challenge because it is so close to home but oftentimes we don't get to have a conversation like this in a public way. Let me just reflect as we go and there are already lots of votes coming in on our Facebook 
poll today. The question says, do you think Australia's classification system adequately protects children from harmful material? Let me just reflect uh, two or three of these and then I'll get your thoughts. Karen says, not at all. I have to pre-screen shows that are G and PG before my seven-year-old watches. Derek says, the main issues with this is that a lot of parents don't care about it or don't pay attention to what their kids are doing or watching. I've seen parents buy R18 games and movies for these kids. And Michelle says, personally, I've watched many shows that have I've been shocked by the content. There certainly needs to be better review of what children should see. I also think the content of ads needs to be reviewed as well. So there's an awful lot in those three, and I suspect there'll be quite a lot of those. So I'll just put those three out there. What comes to mind as I've mentioned the comments of our listeners so far? Uh, Certainly agree. Parents need to know what's going on. And this is why we have to talk honestly and openly. You know, people get offended with the content. You know, seriously, have a look at what your kids are being exposed to. Uh, The young people that we've seen doing the live chats, and just bear in mind, the ones that we've seen, they're not naked. They're not being acting in, in sexual ways. Some of them are in their school uniform. We've been able to trace them to their school within four minutes. Some of them are standing in the family kitchen in front of the fridge covered in identifying information about about that family. One was a nine-year-old girl with three men uh, taking advantage online of, of her. So we have to have these conversations. Now, yes, of course, parents shouldn't be buying the stuff. They shouldn't be uh, allowing access. They should have every screening technology available, um, every net nanny family zone filtering software. However, this issue is well beyond the ability of parents to regulate on their own. Relying on parents to control what children access is an unrealistic and unfair burden. Bear in mind that a lot of exposure happens when another kid shows them. It might be on the school bus. It might be in the schoolyard. It might be even in the classroom. These are the kind of stories that parents are telling me as to the pathway uh, which introduced their children to pornographic, porn-themed material. I even had, uh, I've had girls tell me recently about boys viewing porn on their laptops in the classroom at the back of the class. So, as I said, it's way beyond parents, uh, and I don't think all the blame should be sheeted home to parents because what that does is it offloads the ethical responsibilities of our governments and our government, our regulatory bodies uh, to to deal with this, to address it. You know, this is a global issue here that every parent is confronted with. Every child is going to be harmed by exposure to this content. So, you know, it has to be a, a whole-of-community approach. A whole-of-community approach. We've got what happens in the home, the parental responsibility. We've also got the government's response. There's been a number of inquiries of recent mm-hmm. times. Uh, House of Reps Standing Committee on Social Policy and Legal Affairs 
They released a report called Protecting the Age of Innocence and an inquiry into age verification for online porn. So so just because it's online doesn't mean it can't be regulated. What are your thoughts for the idea that there ought to be an age verification for anything that comes under this particular classification that we'll talk about? Well, certainly we supported that proposition and we were we were calling for it. We've been calling for it in Australia for some time. We've actually been writing so many submissions. Uh, again, your listeners, if they want more detail, if they want to see an evidence base for um, the harms of exposing children to this content, they can go to our website and under news, all of our submissions are listed. And the last three are on age verification, on uh, there was an, a review into online was a review into our online safety in children and also the review into the classification uh, system, the classification regulation. So on the age verification, we were very pleased to see the committee adopt our recommendations. Now, of course, the committee makes a recommendation to government and then government reports on what it's going to do. Our sense is that there is a leaning in the government, the current government, for setting up an age verification system. So what that means is that a child cannot automatically enter a porn website. A child will have some protection from seeing rape porn, torture porn, sadism porn, incest themes. Uh, They have to provide proof of age, basically, is what it means. And, of course, we support that. Like, this is the bare minimum minimum that we should be doing to protect uh, the most vulnerable. Now, of course, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, This coronavirus has, of course, um, stalled so many initiatives and ideas and plans for everybody. So we don't know what's going to happen now. But I would like to make the point, yes, uh, coronavirus is is deeply distressing and doing grave harm to people all around the world. Uh, however, there are still other viruses, and uh, pornography is a virus. The exposure of ch- children to sexualized images, hypersexualized content is damaging and harmful, destroying their developing sexual templates, molding and shaping them to have harmful ideas about bodies, relationships and sexuality. So we need to remember that these other viruses uh, still live and dwell and proliferate and and flourish uh, in our communities. Well, Melinda, it is very complex. But as you Mm. say, if you think of this like another virus that's going through the community, when we're thinking of what's happening Mm. with coronavirus, all of our thoughts Our fears, our anxieties come to the fore, but our thoughts and fears and anxieties about this other proliferating virus in the community needs to also be something we don't just set aside in a time when we are focusing on a big issue like coronavirus. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. We're taking some time to talk about Australia's classification system and just getting into how complex all of this is, the different dimensions 
that as a concerned citizen and as a parent, you might need to be invested in, whether it's a community-wide response or whether it's the response that you have at home or in your local school setting. Uh, There are some significant things. And uh, we're talking through these issues today with Melinda Tankard-Reist from Collective Shout. Melinda, you've made some submissions of recent times to various government inquiries and you've obviously come up with all sorts of recommendations for changes to our classification system. I wonder whether you've got a, a way of just uh, outlining some of those uh, those suggestions that you've got. Yes, for sure. Neil, Collective Shout has called for a complete overhaul of our classification system based on evidence about the harm to consumers, our participants and the wider community. As I said, we've been documenting the evidence of failures for many years. We, right from the beginning, exposed the fact that content that depicted children in sexual ways or represented women as children, were we, we found that magazines in corner stores, book bars, and 7-Elevens, petrol stations that showed uh, girls as being uh, wanting or desiring sex with older men, for example. Uh, I won't give more examples because they're graphic, but it's yeah. all in our submission. And so what we've called for in our... And, and then, of course, what Sterling Griff highlighted recently that uh, he had found illegal animated child sexual abuse material depicting child uh, rape, abuse and exploitation. A lot of parents think cartoons are kind of, you know, innocent, uh, but these are animations which really present um, children in in sexual poses as, um, as enjoying sexual abuse and sexual assault. So... You know, that more recent example, which we were also able to get into our submission uh, last minute, is a great example, a disturbing example, of how we are allowing a pedophilic culture to flourish. How do we claim to care about the epidemic of child sexual abuse when our own classification body is giving the tick to child sexual exploitation material? (laughs) Like, we can't have any confidence in the system when they say that 15-year-olds or even younger uh, can access this kind of content. So our recommendations include replacing the current system with an evidence-based and age-based classification system. We also want to see a broadening of the provisions relating to sex to reflect new research into uh, sexual objectification. We think that any regulatory body should be required to consult the international research along with child and youth development experts to ascertain the impact of content before it is released. Uh, We've also said that there needs to be, uh, well, certainly that there shouldn't be, what I've already mentioned, reliance on parents solely to control what children access. Uh, We also think computer games need to be classified by taking into account evidence of harm of sexual objectification which of course is very prominent in games very popular games and we also want to see an immediate investigation into how the classification board could assign m or ma 15 plus ratings 
to anime and manga genres featuring child sexual abuse material, which is contrary to our laws. The Commonwealth Criminal Code prohibits the sale, production, possession and distribution of offensive and abusive material that depicts a person or is a representation of a person who is or appears to be under 18. We actually think that investigation needs to happen now and can't actually, can't actually wait. Uh, it's, it's just too important okay. and too urgent, and especially at the current time when our kids are more likely to be exposed to this kind of content when they're, when they're playing animated games. Well, there's an awful lot of things to unpack about your recommendations, and I'm really glad that we're able to just get those out in a bundle, and we might be able to pick up on a few of those, and listeners might have had their attention pricked by some of those recommendations you've made, and we'll invite listeners to be part of our conversation. We're taking calls. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm interested in what parents are experiencing, and I'm sure that your listeners will be experiencing what some of the parents I meet find, that their, their children are just so easily coming across this content, even by searching an innocent term by visiting a page dedicated to a favourite cartoon character and, and seeing explicit pornographic acts uh, that they are not developmentally or cognitively equipped to deal with. Well, let's uh, see what one of our listeners, uh, let's have a call from Stephen in Brisbane and uh, catch what he's thinking about the conversation today. Hi, Stephen, welcome. Hi, hi Neil. Uh, look, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh filthy stuff out there on the internet, some of it borders on the dark web, and a lot of times there, there needs to be, I believe, a course where parents can actually be taught in a more simplified way of what to be looking out for, because there's just so much out there that to be a parent these days um, and to sort of filter, there's some really... Apart from the classification, there's a lot of stuff out there that comes in in such a, how should I say, uh, a subtle way that you, you're not sure what, what, how, how, where it's leading to. Stephen, good thoughts there. Let's get a response here. Melinda, your thoughts for Stephen? Well, fortunately, the eSafety Commission was set up four years ago, and this is actually one positive government initiative at the, the federal level and there are a lot of resources there, a lot of parent advice, parents tips, uh, which we are also sharing in the current, current time to get across what children are likely to see, how they are likely to be exposed and how to protect them. But, you know, I have come to a point having been speaking on these issues for a very long time, certainly full-time for 15 years, that you know, it, it, there may come a point, I think we're close to it, where you just cannot give a, a child a device. Uh, it's like handing them a, a hand grenade and it will blow up in their faces. Our children do not need internet-enabled devices. Yep. Yes, you can give them a phone. They can have a dumb phone. They don't need smartphones. If you don't want your child to see pornography and other horrible, violent, destructive, damaging content, don't give them an internet-enabled device of, of any kind. Melinda, I, I need to break in because we're about to go to news. I want to thank yes. Stephen for his call.
Uh, Melinda, before we get into some more of listeners' responses, uh, in Collective Shout, you had a fantastic year last year. Uh, We noted that things have dried up because if you can't gather in a group, those speaking engagements are no more. But you had a great year. There were some fabulous wins in the way that you've drawn attention to some of the major problems that are being faced in our society. Yes, last year was certainly uh, one of our best in our 10-year history, Neil, and it is good to reflect on good news, isn't it? Uh, So probably the the best victory last year was that uh, Collective Shout and our wonderful United supporters around the country managed to bring down two long-standing porn-themed magazines which had been published for upwards of 80 years in Australia, and that's Picture Magazine and People Magazine. Now, our campaign only took seven weeks. In in three weeks, we were able to get those magazines out of 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven stores. We argued that these magazines shouldn't be right next to you know, the kind of products that 7-Eleven offers to young people, uh, you know, the donuts and the, uh, the slurpees, those kinds of things. And then shortly after, BP followed suit and got rid of them out of BP service stations. And then I was called into uh, a meeting at the Bauer Media headquarters in Sydney with the CEO, and he'd only been in the position less than a year I had all my arguments worked out. I had all my briefing notes. And he opened by saying, uh, it's, everything you say is true. It's indefensible that we would be publishing these magazines at this time in history. And he said, we're not going to publish them anymore. Well, naturally, I nearly fell off my chair. And he then notified the German owners of, of his decision and we commended him, you know, for acting in a socially responsible way, for caring about uh, women and, and children especially. And also in the same year, after a 10-year-long campaign, uh, there was an agreement by all of the national roads ministers, the state roads ministers, agreed on a national approach that... Wicked camper vans with their anti-women sexist slogans would be deregistered if those camper vans did not abide by an ad standards ruling upholding a complaint against them. So it was just a wonderful outcome after so long to have some action on those anti-women misogynist camper vans driving all around the country, which I'm sure many of your yep. listeners have seen. Uh, so they were, they were a couple of the, the big highlights of it. It is year. good, isn't it, to reflect on wins as you mm-hmm. do. And uh, for some, yes. they'll be saying, well, uh, these have been very practical uh, expressions that you've made and uh, a win mm-hmm. is a win. And yes, let's count yep. those as being wins. But of course, the battlefield is very big and there's an awful lot of battles to, to be a, a part of mm-hmm. here. I wonder whether uh, there's one Facebook comment to draw attention to from Peter who says, I find these regulatory bodies infiltrated by a power determined to destroy any virtue and feel powerless against the bureaucracy. 
I wonder whether you've got any thoughts, Melinda, on the, the makeup of our classification boards and the sort of people who are actually making these decisions because if the values of the people on the board don't reflect the values of the wider community or indeed, as we're talking today, to the Christian community around Australia, if those values are not being reflected, then of course they're going to make decisions that are against the sorts of things we might think are good and right. What are your thoughts about the people who are on the boards? Yes, yes, it's it's certainly a valid question. I would say, though, that regardless of their values, they need to uphold the law. And fortunately, the Commonwealth Criminal Code is on our side. The Commonwealth Criminal Code, under which the Classification Board is supposed to operate, says that this content is, is, is so harmful and so vile so bad for community well-being that it has to be illegal. So the board isn't even operating according to the already established law of the land. You know, laws are a reflection of what we believe, what we view to be important. And the question is is important. We ask these, these same question about advertising at standards. You know, at standards is a self-regulatory body made up primarily of people with a vested interest in business as usual, who put the ethical uh, concerns, who put the values of a community, the agreed values of a community, uh, uh, below uh, their profit motive. And a classic example is our shopping centres, which host the sex store Honey Burdette. Now, these shopping centres, which sadly... Uh, are invested in by so-called ethical super companies, which is another campaign we have. Uh, we've written to 15 ethical super companies who seem to be not fully apprised of what they're actually investing in. So the heads of these shopping centres include CEOs who identify as male champions of change who commit to addressing sexism at every level, including in their workplaces, and yet at the same time, hosting these pornified portrayals of women floor-to-ceiling. Now, Honey Burdette has been in breach of ad standards rulings countless times. I think we're up to about about 50, where they just ignore the rulings. That's even when we get a ruling in our favour. Yeah. So, again, where how do we trust these public, these government entities or semi-government entities to regulate when we keep documenting these terrible failures. Wow. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. What are your thoughts about these sorts of companies and what are your thoughts about the fact that the law is just not being enforced when it comes to many of these businesses? Uh, There's another, though, big dimension in here. Uh, John on our Facebook post today says... Netflix has heaps of G, PG rated programs with a ton of leftist ideas being pushed onto our kids. So it's not just the law, but I know that people, when we talk values, are often concerned about the ideologies being pushed in here. Uh, This probably does come back to parents trying to ascertain what's good and what's not for their children. But uh, what are your thoughts here, uh, Melinda, on the idea that there are all sorts of, uh, uh, you know, significant ideas, ideologies that are being foisted onto our children? 
Well, collective shout has a very specific remit, Neil, and, and that is sexual exploitation. So sexualization, objectification of women and girls, pornification of culture and harms to the community. So the, the beauty of collective shout, uh, and it's almost a miracle it holds together, but it has, is that our supporters are drawn from multiple different spectrums uh, along different um, you know, views and sort of dividing lines, if you like. But we come together in this common cause. We have found common ground around this issue. So that, that's the strength uh, and the beauty of our, of our movement. Uh, so we don't engage on everything, uh, and, uh, you know, but we have this very specific focus for cultural change and social transformation on this particular issue. And you can find that your greatest impact comes when you can unite people around the common cause and uh, there are going to be people with different thoughts on ideology, uh, but they can still unite around the idea of of preserving uh, our girls and women in these circumstances. Melinda, let me ask you what parents are telling you about the sorts of programs that you've been running about uh, these issues that we're talking about uh, so far as anime and uh, the depiction in cartoon form, uh, sexualised cartoons. What are your thoughts here around what parents are sharing with you? Yes, Neil, look, it's an absolute heartbreak. The stories are getting worse. The stories are getting worse younger, about younger children. Uh, Without fail, I'm having... Parents approach me after speaking engagements around the country and with tears in their eyes describing how their child was exposed to porn depicting women being brutalised, being, being tortured, how that has messed up their child, how uh, their child may have been approached by another child and uh, engaged with in a, you know, inappropriate sexual ways because the other child was exposed. Uh, one of the common gateways, uh, common pathways is uh, movies that depict cartoon characters. So even Disney characters uh, have uh, designated porn sites named after them. So the child may be looking for their favourite Disney cartoon character, uh, for example, Shrek, and then seeing Shrek engaging in, in, in abusive acts with children. For example, that's actually a real example. A um, nine-year-old boy told a six-year-old boy to have a look at this funny Shrek video. Uh, other parents telling me, you know, their child really likes Dora the Explorer or Dorothy the Dinosaur or Atomic Betty or My Little Pony and being directed to porn sites, searching an innocent term, wanting to make a recipe, searching for an innocent a pet, a, an animal that they like, and again ending up on a porn site or not even searching, but being uh, on, online and uh, porn coming up uh, in a pop-up and then the child not being able to get out of it. Um, so it's just t- too easy and that's the problem. You know, they're a click away from content that will damage their normal, healthy development as children and young people. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of intervention to restore that child and to uh, undo the extent of the damage and the harm. And that's why we're so passionate at Collective Shout about addressing this issue.
Let me come back to our Facebook poll. Do you think Australia's classification system adequately protects children from harmful material? And uh, I might say there's been over 200 votes on that poll uh, Mm. in this last hour. 92% are saying no, it does not adequately protect our children. Let me come back to something you mentioned a few moments ago, Melinda, the idea of ethical super companies. Uh, These are, this is a positive, proactive way you've got uh, to be able to recognize companies doing the right thing. Uh, Just give us a little explanation how that whole system works. Yes. So many of us are attracted to ethical super companies. Certainly I invest with an ethical super company, because we want to know that they've done the due diligence and checked out where that money is going. And I'm sure that the vast majority of your listeners would would share that idea that this is a this is a great idea. They've done they've checked the supply chains. They've checked that people are being paid properly. They've checked that they're not, you know, destroying the environment. They've checked that they're supply chains are slavery-free and they're not investing, for example, in the tobacco industry. Um, for some people, they don't want to see their investments going into, into alcohol and gambling and issues like that. And yet we have found that, sadly, many of these companies are actually supporting shopping centres, which are the landlords hosting their tenants, Honey Burdett, and not bringing them into line for more than a decade, which is how long I've been talking about this. So it's a, it's a fresh new approach on our behalf is to say to these companies, you have these really significant corporate values, these corporate ethics. You want to invest in what is good. You want to invest in what's important to you. Uh, why are you funding? Why are these shopping centres allowing this rogue company to present porn-themed images in shopping centres, often where children are, even with children having their pictures taken with Santa metres away from this company, even children being invited to the shopping malls, come and meet Hop the Easter Bunny. Last Easter, that was the invitation. Again, metres from these pornified portrayals of women. So... Don't call yourself an ethical super company if you're going to invest in these shopping centres. And we had a really positive outcome with two super companies last year, uh, Ethi Invest and also, which said that they would um, divest, that they they announced that they would tell the shopping centres they invest in that they were getting a a downgrade, an ethical downgrade uh, with possible moves to divestment, full divestment, and that's what we hope will happen. And the other company was Catholic Super, which acted very quickly to divest shares in those shopping centres. And we're still uh, calling on the others to follow suit and to show that they actually mean it. Let's take another call, 1-800-316-316, to be part of our conversation. Kate is in Townsville in Queensland. Hi, Kate. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to sort of ask something about proactively moving forward, just with the discussion about um, the children's um, character-themed porn sites and that sort of thing. I was just wanting to know the most thorough and targeted ways um, that we as parents can put measures in place or somewhere to go to where it's all quite central, um, just to make sure that we're 
doing things that are obviously proactive but also the safest possible thing for our children. Obviously, supervision is a big part of that. Um, I don't blindly let my children go online or anything like that, but just to have those extra measures in place so if something is innocently looked up... Um, yeah, that we can be as proactive as possible. Kate, great question. Melinda, who do you call? So there's a, a number of uh, filtering software packages that can assist here and they enable you to designate which places and which words you don't want your kids using or going to or visiting. There's also uh, this technology includes showing you what sites have been visited which is helpful so the one that's often recommended to me by people I know working in the IT space in schools is family zone so have a look at that that is a a, a government uh, package and you can use that to provide greater protections at home also as I've mentioned before the resources offered by eSafety Commission some really helpful practical tips there that you can use. And of course, supporting the work of Collective Shout, naturally I'm going to say that. <laughs> but you know, we need all the help that we can get. We're a small team. I head up a team of four women who work up to 15 hours generally a week each. Uh, one of those is about to go on maternity leave, which is, you know, which is wonderful, of course. Um, but you know, we need help with, with, with funds, uh, we need help with volunteers, any kind of support that can be provided to us to help us to keep doing this, doing this work. And we're encouraged that a, a parent like, like your caller just now wants to, wants to put their kids first, wants to do the best for their kids. And that's why we need to work together uh, to change this porn culture and easy access to this harmful uh, content, both acting individually uh, but then acting collectively as well. Kate from Townsville, thank you so much for your call. And time is running out for our conversation. And uh, just like Kate, uh, who called in, there's a certain sense in which every parent needs to exercise vigilance at home and even more so over the coming weeks and months when our children will be on all sorts of platforms, accessing all sorts of things from everywhere. But that vigilance is just the start. That's just the response that you have to have to shore up things at home while the battle continues. So as Kate wants to be proactive, your encouragement here, Melinda, about how parents who might be thinking of just looking after their own family unit might actually be able to do something to help the family units of their wider community. What are your thoughts here? Exactly right. That's exactly right. Yes, we we want to focus on our own family's well-being, but you know our children live and move and, and be in in the world, and so we need to help other families as well to understand uh, the da- dangers and the harms, and and to work together to do all that we can uh, to protect our children with other families, with our schools, with community groups, uh, faith communities. And then at the higher level of, of, of the political dimension as well, calling on our governments and regulatory bodies to do something urgently to protect our children uh, from the, the scourge of this virus. 
And Melinda, you mentioned all of your speaking engagements have dried up, really, for the yes. next six months, perhaps even longer. Yeah, it's the and whole year, in fact. You're yeah, I was ad- meant to be in Townsville, which I was looking forward to as well. <laughs> well, we're needing to be adaptable in every way that we Indeed. do the, the things that we're involved in. And no doubt there's ways that listeners can continue to support you, continue to support mm. campaigns, because those campaigns are not yeah. going to stop, but you've got to get, That's you've right. got to work on different ways ways of getting those campaigns before people uh, so uh, for people when they go to your website at collective shout yes. uh, what sort of things are you hoping people will engage with when they do well collectiveshout.org is our website we're also very active on twitter and facebook and instagram we provide very practical steps that anyone concerned about these issues we've talked about today can take for example supporting our campaign against Instagram, supporting our current campaign against Pornhub, uh, the most visited porn site in the world. They are offering all these discounts currently. They're taking advantage of capitalising on uh, the COVID virus uh, to get even more uh, viewers. Uh, Ourselves and our colleagues in Canada and the US have been running a major campaign uh, exposing Instagram, exposing also porn, Pornhub, which features trafficked girls, trafficked young women uh, in the most brutal ways. Uh, they can support our ongoing campaign against uh, Honey Burdett and the shopping centres that host it. Again, we provide practical ways to do that. Um, they can contact their own ethical super companies and say, what are you doing about this? Why are you investing in Westfield, Lendley's vicinity group, Stockland, AMP Capital, and, and others, that's a really practical thing that your listeners can do is contact their own ethical super companies and say, we don't want our investments, our, our resources going into propping up companies that are engaging unethically. Um, so lots of campaigns that we're running at any one time, contacting their MPs as well and saying, what's going to happen with age, the age verification inquiry? Um, all of this can be found on our website and on our social media pages. Uh, like our pages, sign up online, and we'd love to connect you with other people who feel the same as you do uh, because there's strength in the, in the unity and the combined voices around the country. Well, no lack of opportunity to have an impact in the wider community when it comes to some of these ethical issues that many of us will hold so closely to our own hearts. And uh, over the weeks and months ahead, maybe an opportunity to, uh, in fact, supercharge some of that proactive mm-hmm. approach to doing something that is going to benefit our community on the other side of what's happening with coronavirus. Let me just come back to that Facebook poll. Do you think Australia's classification system adequately protects children from harmful material overwhelmingly? of all of those listeners who have responded have said, no, it does not. And so it should be a wake-up call to all of us uh, to take some action uh, when it comes to these issues that we've been talking about today. Uh, Collectiveshout.org is the website for Collective Shout. Collectiveshout.org. Our guest this past hour has been Melinda Tankard-Reist. Melinda leads Collective Shout. She says it's been 10 years and they've got some runs on the board. Uh, They're not afraid to speak up on these issues that are so close to the hearts of a lot of people who are listening to our conversation today. Melinda, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. 
Neil, always grateful for the opportunity you give us at Vision Radio. Thanks so much and uh, stay safe, everyone. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.